1: Speakers and cleats, the podcast. Welcome back to the podcast. Friday, September 22nd. This is episode 28. I'm Matt Roy, joined once again by Zach Hedrick. He is our Cowboys reporter. He will, I mean, for the most part. <laughs> I mean, you've been to the first two. It
2: seems lofty. <laughs> You're not going
1: not going to Arizona, because like, why? Yeah. <laughs> well,
2: and it got interesting with the breaking news that we had yesterday yeah. but i i still think uh cowboys should be all right yeah
1: and we'll get into that in here in a little bit so this is episode 28 um 28 who does it for you who, who you think of when you think of the number 28 there's some good ones for 28
2: yeah there are i mean it begins and ends for me with adrian peterson well, i mean
1: can we get a can we get a close-up on the <laughs> OU shirt here like
2: <laughs> hey it is friday before a college football saturday i mean come on um no it begins and ends with him you know what he did i mean there is a jersey at the switzer center at ou that you know it's the non-contact it's red but it's got blue numbers in 28 and everything so it's like when when you have a piece of memorabilia like that at a place like ou because of the freshman season that you had and also the career that he had there too i mean yeah he kind of dropped off after breaking out on the scene his freshman year but you know you look what he did at the NFL. Sure, he's got his off-field stuff. And, right. You know, everything there, uh, which, of course, don't want to ignore that. You know, that's always kind of been an issue for Adrian after uh, he got out. But, you know, uh, still, he's up there, what, he's, like, third, fourth all-time, you well, know, gonna, for rushing touchdowns and yards. I try and think about it. Like, I think he has 120,
1: not 126 all-time touchdowns. Mm-hmm. I don't know where he ranks in terms of running backs all-time because, like, for me – He's probably the second, like first or second best running backs I've ever seen in my life, besides LT. Mm-hmm. And that's, but I mean, obviously, that's only in the last 20 yeah, years. Yeah, for this generation. So. For our generation, he's, he's up probably there. one or two. Yeah. But when you start ranking him in, like, the Walter Paytons, the Emmett Smiths, the Barry Sanders. Jim Brown. Yeah, the Jim Browns. Like, I don't know where he kind of stacks up. He, I mean, he'll never. Uh, he'll always have or at least until it's broken the 296 yard game against the Chargers with the Vikings. So
2: right, uh, I think, yeah, he'll have some records that that record may stand for a little bit, just the way running backs are going <laughs> right now. Uh, but I don't think he's on the Mount Rushmore of running backs for the NFL all time. But know? it's
1: but it's kind of crazy that he might be like the last great one that we see for a while just because of the the climate that the nfl is in right now like adrian peterson might be that last like workhorse back besides derrick henry i mean right derrick henry is one of those two but he's like the last one in the top echelon of running backs that's going to be in that own little private
2: room in the hall of fame somewhere you know one well, because you mentioned workhorse it's just because he's been at it for so long he's yeah. been able to keep that production up.
1: i mean and technically he's still not retired like he still hasn't yeah. put his name in there even though he's gone around to <laughs> where's he been on now the saints the seahawks the commanders he's been around a little <laughs> he's been bit there. yeah
2: he's knocked around a little.
1: Um other names i had written down which are also pretty good ones uh daryl green marshall falk buster posey solid one um darren woodson if you're a cowboys fan yeah and then in so in greenie's book um i forget what it's called but he assigns a number to everybody 28 was assigned to michael phelps because michael phelps has 20, all medals 28 medals yeah makes 23, sense 23 golds the most decorated olympian of all time so 28 if If you're thinking in terms of, like, who does the number belong to, I guess you could make an argument for Michael Phelps. But if you're just strictly thinking jersey number, Adrian Peterson's the one that comes to mind.
2: Yeah, another one that is probably a little bit more on the random side, Prince Fielder 28 for the Brewers. (laughs) I mean, but that's, yeah, that's very, very fringe. Nolan Arenado, he's
1: with the Cardinals right now. Yeah, We could could keep going. It's Mm -hmm. fine. Um, We got a big show today. We got the UTSA uh, Roadrunners heading to Knoxville with the showdown against the 23rd-ranked Tennessee Volunteers. Uh, Longhorns in Waco taking on Baylor. The Aggies at home taking on Auburn. ESPN's Mel Kuyper coming out with prospect rankings, and it's littered with Texas stars. So kind of speaks to their depth, so we'll check those out as well. But first, got to get to the Cowboys. Uh, Bad news. Bad news er, Thursday with uh, Trayvon Diggs coming out. He tore his ACL in practice on -on one-on-ones. We don't need to get into why they're doing one on ones in the in the regular season. Apparently, Ben DiNucci doesn't agree with it, but um, it's a huge it's a huge blow for the for that Cowboys defense.
2: Yeah, I saw that Ben DiNucci tweet. I mean, <laughs> coming from a guy who is no longer with the club right. and has knocked around the XFL and everything like that, um, sure, maybe a maybe a little pot shot there from from a former Cowboy. but right. I mean, McCarthy actually, on that note of one-on-one drills, he was on a Dallas radio station talking about that and just real quickly I don't want to you know read word for word but uh, McCarthy was talking There's skill development and that always goes on especially with limited time and training camp one-on-one drills are something that defensive back and receivers need so you know not I'm not trying to defend Mike McCarthy I come down you know whether it's like you do one-on-one drills or not I come down more on the side of Yeah, I think maybe you do need them just because, yeah, you only get so much time. And sure, Trayvon Diggs and all the receivers for the Cowboys, they have plenty of game experience, right? But to get those full speed reps, I mean, McCarthy has talked about it. The reason why they feel like they're so good is because they've been able to go against each other and practice against each other. So if you don't get that in practice, when it happens in a game, then it's like, you know, okay, yeah, now you're playing catch up.
1: Right. And. Like, there's something to say about, like, how short training camp is now, and you only get so many reps, so you have to continue to do it throughout the season. Mm-hmm. So, one of these, th- these things just happen. Like, it's not something that they could have done. They didn't do that one-on-one rep. It could have been on seven-on-seven that he turns wrong and he goes down. Yeah. Like, these, th- these things are just freak things that happen. So, I feel bad for Trayvon, but.
2: And Steven, yeah, it is a gut punch. I mean, it's it's awful. Steven Especially Jones, coming off of
1: that contract that you
2: Yeah, no, and, and McCarthy's talking about it. He's like Trayvon was the best he's ever seen him at the start of the season. Yeah. I mean, so it it was great. Um, and yeah, it's it stinks. I mean, the the Stephen Jones, the vice president, you know, was talking here on a local radio station yesterday afternoon just talking about yeah you took an awkward step it torqued the wrong way it was very similar to the demarvian overshone injury mm-hmm. which just you know you're, you're out making a play and it just it's like you said one of those freak things no explanation to it it just sucks
1: yeah i think steven was on with what jason and joe over at one
2: mm-hmm. shout out
1: guys on the blitz um it, it, it does bring into question who the depth of the of the team though like We've, we've been speaking about their depth forever. Like, they, mm-hmm. they're a deep team. They're a fast defense. They are, they play in unison. They play off of one another. The defensive line helps out the linebackers who help out the secondary. When you lose that top guy, it's it's not like losing Micah because Micah is on another level. Sure. But like, when you lose the top guy who was learning so much playing across from Stephon Gilmore, was finally getting some looks his way to, to be able to make plays instead of completely avoiding him like they've done in the past, now you have Deron Bland, who has to step in, who led the team in interceptions last year and is a good player, but maybe not on Trayvon Diggs' level yet. And sure. then you have Jordan Lewis, who probably has to step into the slot now. And then right. Noah Igbenavane. I- 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 Igbenavane. I- I- yeah, that. <laughs> I almost got there. Um and then you have Noah who has to step in and be that fourth corner now. And then Stephon Gilmore at, at his advanced age now has to step up and kind of be that leader in the secondary. So it kind of just
2: morphs and changes a lot of roles. I, I, I know Cowboys fans may be thinking, oh, boy, the dominoes are starting to fall. But really, I think, you know, let's let's see what happens after Sunday. Again, the, the big test is coming in a couple of weeks when they go out to San Francisco. Yeah. But – you touched on the guys that are going to be stepping up, Deron Bland. Uh, they're really high on him. Jordan Lewis coming back from injury, they've been really high on him too. So they they have some position flex with guys. And there's, you know, once Donovan Wilson comes back and gets back into the fold at the safety spot, they'll have more guys there. And who knows? Um, you mentioned Jordan Lewis too. You know that that's a guy that's unproven. You know, again coming back from injury, we'll see how they get him back and work him into the fold and everything. But Cowboys fans need to trust Will McClay that they've got the right guys in the personnel group to roll them out there, put them in front of Dan Quinn, and say, okay, these are your guys, and, you know, Dan Quinn has been punching all the right buttons so far. So, and third year in the system, everybody kind of knows their role and what they need to do.
1: I think it's my belief, too, that if they come out, let's say, on the next two weeks against the Arizona and against the Patriots, and maybe even against the Niners and they get gashed through the air and, and the Trayvon injury seems to be something that's really exposing their secondary. Steven and Jerry both believe in this team enough to go get somebody. Like they're not they're not gonna be afraid to go make a move either, especially with this team.
2: Yeah, they always say, you know, we're always looking to improve the roster. Yeah, I don't coach know. Speak. Yeah. I don't know <laughs> if it's in the secondary where they're gonna be necessarily doing that. Here's something else that's gonna help out the secondary. You got a great pass rush. Yeah. You, you, how, yes, you can still get down the field, maybe 15, 20 yards down the field in two seconds, but you aren't, you aren't taking deep shots, you know, unless you got a run game or something like that. So when you have a front that has Micah Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence, Dorrance Armstrong, Osa Digizua, the list goes on and on and on. Right. You know, c- good luck, opposing <laughs> quarterbacks. I mean, it's like you, you don't have that much time to to
1: hold the ball. Right. Yeah, I mean I'm on records as just as saying as when when Trayvon got this or when everyone was trying to get their deals and Trayvon got his deal. Like if you were going to not re-sign somebody, I would have not re-signed Trayvon just because of his just because of his playmaking ability, but also giving up those those huge pass plays and whatnot. Yeah. And I feel like he gambles a little too much. However, he's having one of the best seasons he's had, mm-hmm. given the competition's not that great. You, I mean, he's only allowed three catches on thirty in thirty one yards. When he's the when he's covering the receiver who's targeted, so mm-hmm. he's having a great year and proving everybody why he deserved the money. So I don't want, like it, I might not have wanted to give him the money in the first place if I was the Cowboys, but he's kind of proven that he deserved it over the first two games and how he's conducted himself throughout training
2: camp. No doubt, yeah, no, <laughs> and and he showed some physicality too, yeah, uh, which I've always felt was kind of lacking and, and fans kind of you know oh, he, he's afraid to kind of stick his nose in there, but he's done that so far. So, you know, hopefully speedy recovery yeah. um, and, and that he can get back. And, you know, he tweeted out yesterday, it's like, I will be back and better, you know, for, for next year.
1: So. Yeah, and there was an outpouring of love for him as well. Oh, he's, yeah. he's, he's universally loved on his team. So mm-hmm. um, it kind of did suck as well, though. He was <laughs> – I saw that his birthday was on the 20th on Wednesday – and yeah, then yeah, he the was day gonna, before. Yeah, the the day before. And last night, he bought himself a box in AT&T Center to go see Beyonce. Yeah. And instead, he's on the table getting operated on, so that sucks. It's, yeah. It's <laughs> just a bad
2: bad, bad break all he the way a, around. He had
1: a silver outfit and everything. Like, he, <laughs> he was super prepared. Like um, It does go to say a little bit about the injuries, though. Tyler Biotish also, also injured the hammy. They say, Adam Schefter, sources say uh, that he's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. But the... My biggest question coming into the season for the Cowboys was their offensive line depth. Sure. They're very top heavy. A lot of the guys that back up Biadish and Martin and Tyron Smith and Tyler Smith and all those guys, they're not very experienced. They don't have those big league reps yet. Right. So let's say the can't go this week. It's the Cardinals. And I hate that. We keep talking about an NFL team. Like, ah, oh, it's the Cardinals. They're not very good. They, they can't win this game because anything can happen on any given Sunday. But I think we all assume that no matter who's out unless it's everybody that they're going to win this game on Sunday. The offensive line depth is starting to give me some pause mm-hmm. with how many injuries and how many like you know minor injuries they've had so far this season.
2: Right. Nagging injuries to start and yeah, you're right, the depth has been but through two games so far they've kind of held their own. The one veteran guy Chuma Idoga, uh, mm-hmm. has has really kind of filled in well at that left guard's spot for Tyler Smith. Um, and then also T.J. Bass, you know, he's kind of filled in when, I guess, Zach Martin got rolled up on on his ankle or something like yeah. that. So, uh, so far they've held their own. Now, yes, the injuries, it's it's kind of they're on the razor's edge of, you know, that stack of cards come crumbling down. Right. You know, if, if one guy goes out with a season ender like Drayvon does. But uh, by everything that I've seen, Viada should be good to go. Cowboys aren't practicing today. It's it's more of a light day. They then do like a walkthrough before flying out to Arizona tomorrow. So everything, though, the indications are that he should be good to go. Martin is one of the tough guys where it's just like, hey, if I'm practicing Saturday, that means I'm going to be on the field right. Sunday. And then all signs have been pointing to Tyler Smith being good to go and getting the green light for Sunday, too. So, again, we'll see what actually happens on Sunday when they roll it out uh, at 325 in the afternoon. But uh, they might have their first full front line offensive line ready to go for this Sunday.
1: It's still concerning, though, when you have I think I think all five starting linemen have been on an injury report in the first three weeks. It is. But, and Tyler Smith, obviously, has missed a few games.
2: Right, and and his first games ever, so they're wanting to err on the side of caution with him, right. just not wanting to rush him back since this was his first kind of go being on the injury list. But uh, I think, you know, everybody should be good to go. Tyron Smith is the one where it's just kind of like, okay, now that's <laughs> when things start getting dicey because yeah. then you have to slide Tyler out to left tackle. Chuma then probably goes into that left guard spot. And then you really hope that no more injuries happen, yeah. because then it gets really, really dicey. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And the last uh, last bit of
1: news this week was, uh, did you know Micah wants to play tight end? I did,
2: well, <laughs> I did not, I and I saw that, where he's like, yeah, I got to rep a tight end, you know, and he's joking around like, oh, you know, I Coach McCarthy wasn't really pleased with my route and stuff like that. You know, <laughs> with the changes at running back, Micah always, he played running back in high school, Yeah, and I thought, you know, wouldn't it be interesting if the Cowboys gave him a you know a chance at running back? You know, down the goal line situation. You know, it's like you need a big body, you need if, a bruiser. If Don Terry Poe can do it, sure. Micah Parsons right. can do it. Well, <laughs> and Micah's is just a football player. Right. You know, he's he is truly one of the positionless guys in the NFL right now. So why not try that? Um, I, I'm sure at some point we will see Micah line up at tight end. <laughs> uh, just you know, as like a. You know, it's... Who's the guy for the Patriots? Minkovich No, not Minkovic. Uh It starts with an M. Mike Vrabel? Like, Mike Vrabel oh, well, used to do it. Yeah, so very, Vrabel, ago. I think Minkovich might have done it too or something yeah, like that they, after they, Vrabel. They had a lot of those guys. They had it. those linebackers who, you know, did the tight end thing and yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah. So I think... Yeah, they'll do it at some point, kind of like they did with Terrence Steele a couple years ago, well, catching like, a touchdown. Pass. Well,
1: like J.J. Watt used to do that with the Texans all the time. Yeah. He would line up at tight end. He, I think he's caught like eight touchdowns in his career. If
2: Micah Parsons is truly in the running midway through the season for MVP of the whole entire league, yeah, they'll roll him out there. And it's like, hey, <laughs> you need to catch a couple of touchdowns right. too. No.
1: Well, I mean, he, his odds for MVP. So I was, I was paying attention to this a little bit earlier this week. His odds for MVP at, at the start of the week were like ten, or were like a hundred to one, mm-hmm. like. 10, plus 10,000 odds. His odds to win MVP right now are 35 to 1, like 3,500 odds. Like, if he has all the fanfare, he has all of the, all of the talent, he defenses or offenses literally plan around him and where he is lined yeah. up. He is the biggest difference maker on defense in the entire league outside of maybe TJ Watt has an argument around that as well. Why can't he win MVP? There no no defensive players won M- MVP since Lawrence Taylor in the 80s, but why can't
2: he? I don't see any reason. I mean, Especially if he's playing tight end. <laughs> well, and and with this Diggs injury, you know, it, it's another chance. To, it's like, oh, you know, okay, Diggs went down, and then look, he even stepped up his game more. Again, we'll see what happens in the coming weeks because it's just like, yeah, if, if he gets shut out a little bit, then it's kind of like, then that'll go away. But – he definitely has the the skill set and the tools to do it.
1: And I think I saw a quote from Jerry a little earlier. He's like, "What else do you want the guy to do?" <laughs> he's like, "Because he's uh, thinking, oh boy, I got to pay this guy." Right. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, "All right, just add another million on, add another uh, million on, or <laughs> ten, right?" <laughs> so, I mean, I think that what, if I put the over under the season on one and a half touchdowns scored by Michael Parsons. Would you take the over or the under on one and a half touchdown scores on offense, not just on defense?
2: Okay, because yeah, I was going to take the over because he's <laughs> going to score a touchdown on defense for sure. Oh yeah, he's been he's been this close already. Um, I'd probably go under. I I'd, I'd, I'd say maybe he scores one because again, as soon as as soon as he runs out there, then the entire defense is keying on him, you know? <laughs> because it's like okay, we got we got another playmaker on the field. Why else would they have him out here other than to, you know, throw the ball to him? They're not sneaking him onto the field. They're not sneaking no. 11 onto a on. <laughs> I mean, how, how would you? I mean, it's not like he's hiding behind Deuce Vaughn or something like that. I don't think anybody could hide behind Deuce Vaughn.
1: Yeah. Our guy Yuli couldn't hide behind Deuce Vaughn. <laughs> <laughs> um, so as far as the game goes on Sunday, last uh, Cowboys talk before we get some college football. The, the Cowboys are favored by twelve. You think they? How do you think the game goes?
2: I think again, it's it's another opportunity for the offense to really kind of show that they can, you know, control the game. Uh, Josh Dobbs, they did have some issues with, you know, again, and and I think that might be the Cowboys' Achilles' Hill as far as defense goes—a a mobile quarterback who can. Get outside the pocket, extensive plays a little bit. If they can't get home with that pass rush, we saw it in the Tennessee game last year. But you know the Cowboys went on to, to go ahead and win that one. So well, I think the Cowboys will be okay again. I the the defense will be interesting to see how everybody responds. Uh, but I think the Cowboys shouldn't have any issues. It should be a two score, but see this is where i'm kind of like eh, because everybody's picking them like all the pundits and experts and stuff everybody's going oh cowboys got you know whatever right that's when the nfl sneaks up and goes "Eh, you gotcha that's when weird stuff happens that's when we sneak one in you know last second field goal and ha ha you know there you go well
1: i mean that's what that's the feeling i had about last night's game uh the giants and the niners Everybody was on the Niners. The Niners were favored, I think, by ten and a half points last night. Mm-hmm. Every single person, every every personality, every NFL analyst, everybody who has a microphone in front of them picked the Niners, and, except for, like, two or three people on a couple of websites that I follow. Right. And – all the bets were on the, on the Niners as well. I think it was like eighty one percent of the public money was on was on the Niners yeah. last night. So everyone's like, "Oh God, here we go." Right, right. <laughs> Here's the Giants, but the Giants are just so bad. I think the Cardinals are just that bad. Even though they're two and two and o against the
2: spread this season, I mean, and they almost beat the Giants. The Giants suck, and the Arizona sucks too. Yeah, and the whole storyline is like the Arizona's making the play for Caleb Williams and right. stuff like that. You know, tanking and everything. I I don't know how much you know, faith you put into that storyline and everything. I really do think this is a chance for Dak Prescott to prove. And again, he doesn't have to go out and throw for 400 yards and five touchdowns. But if he can just facilitate the offense and have a clean game again and just show, hey, yes, we did lose one of our stars, but we're going to be just fine.
1: Traditionally, Dak Prescott and the Cowboys beat up on bad teams like they they don't. Normally trip up they last season against the Texans they almost lost yeah as big favorites but I think I I was listening to something this morning I and I could get this wrong but I think it's Dak as a double digit favorite is twenty six twelve and one ATS which is against the spread so he covers that number normally so I mean they usually beat up on bad teams I would think that they're going to beat up on Arizona I don't know how much the Trayvon Diggs injury in the middle of the week kind of messes up the game plan at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it comes to handling Josh Dobbs and the weapons that they do have, Rondale Moore, Zach Ertz, Marquise Brown, they have a horrible offensive line, which
2: again is, plays into the Cowboys' defensive line. Is
1: going to get eaten alive. In so, the, I mean, I, I can't imagine that Arizona comes within 20 points of this. And game. I,
2: so and this goes to show, like the Cowboys' defense, it's just like, yeah, it's a little emotional loss, you know, losing digs and everything, but they can come out and just be like, hey. We're still pretty good, you know. It's yeah. like we have something to prove too, you know. Yeah, we we're missing one of our best guys, but it's like we can still do this with the with the boys that we got. So. People
1: people are gonna find uh, motivation anywhere they can, right? right. <laughs> so both of us think they win. Do they cover the twelve?
2: Uh, sure. Yeah, right. I, I, think, I, I think it'll it it'll be like you know, thirty thirty kind of maybe similar to what we saw with the jets yeah I, so 28 10 30 30
1: to 10 somewhere around there that, my prediction for the jets game was 28 to 10 i'm gonna say this one was like 30, 31 13 uh-huh i'm just throwing a number out there that would hit the over i think the over under is 43 but let's get to uh utsa all right utsa traveling to knoxville take on the volunteers frank harris game time decision
2: right if you're jeff trailer do you even play him That's, yeah, it is interesting. I mean, knowing knowing the player that Frank is, you know, he's going to want to play. It's the same thing with Trey Moore. It's like they really want to play in these big games and everything like that. But something that Jeff Traylor said after the Army game is, you know, we're we're getting ready, Temple, that trip to Philadelphia is kind of what we're eyeballing and everything. They have a bye week after this game against the Vols. This is a chance to rest up Frank. You know, get everybody right, get everybody rested, so then by the time the American Conference schedule rolls around, these guys are ready to go.
1: And I know it's not something that you can really predict, but the injury bug always hits UTSA. So there's a part of me that says, why rest him? Because there's no guarantee that Frank or Trey or whoever is going to be healthy the rest of the season anyway. True. But also you're making up. 1.6 million dollars from this game like win or lose you're right. you, you're making a 1.6 from uh just playing Tennessee. They're 21 and a half point favorites. They're they're going to be hungry as hell because they just lost to Florida. Right. So I just don't I don't I don't know like what's the line there where you play your guys and you want to try and win a game against an SEC opponent like you tried to do last year against Texas and trying to maintain some semblance of a season in in conference
2: play what's the line i well and it's something that jeff really i I don't know if it's a line that they're willing to jump over i mean something that jeff trailer said during this week was just kind of like look we're not going up there with the upset in mind it's like we're going up there to play utsa football we're not going to Delve into the bag of tricks and try and do something crazy and oh look at us and it, no. We're gonna go up there and stick to the triangle, which is stopping the run, taking care of the football, and play good special teams. We're there we're they've already got the mindset of we're looking to the American conference schedule. So it's like if we do that, great. And if we win, even better. But it's like we're we're gonna go and play our brand of football so we can work on what we need to work on to get ready for the conference schedule.
1: I also might wanna start Eddie Lee Marburger just because like we're very aware that the Frank Harris reign is coming to an end right. soon. Yeah. And like why not get Eddie Lee? I mean, especially if, if Frank is like a fifty-fifty game time decision, a true game time decision. Right. Why not start Eddie just to kind of get him some experience and also protect your quarterback? It's kind of a two two fold there. Yeah. Like you're getting you're getting two benefits. One, you're getting Frank a little healthier. And two, you're getting Eddie some actual game reps against an SEC
2: opponent. And there was talk, too, from trailer like last week against Army, they wanted to get Luke McCown into the game, too. They mm-hmm. couldn't just because they only ran, like, 50-some-odd plays or something like that. So if they can get more offensive production on the field, you might even see Luke McCown out there, too. Yeah, so.
1: I mean, when – the team you're playing has like 45 minutes of possession it's hard to (laughs) right
2: it's hard to get players on the field but this is one of the like of course they played texas last year they've they've played talented teams before but um coach trailer said it you know it's like this is by far they've got nfl talent all over the Mm -hmm. vols do so this is you know going to be a good test for us just to you know kind of stack up against these guys who can ball out
1: it's gonna be a test as well because like milton's got a cannon on him at Mm -hmm. tennessee so seeing how the dbs hold up against that kind of excuse me that kind of offense coming off the army game where it's a completely different set of offense and and so you're seeing a lot of different offenses a lot of different defenses a lot of different looks as you get ready for conference play so i don't think frank's gonna play and i am pretty sure utsa is gonna get waxed just because they want to get ready for conference play but i hope that neither of those things is true
2: right it, it's it's a big accomplishment if they keep it within two scores.
1: Yeah, I mean the spread is twenty one and a half. Mm-hmm. So I, I, if they can if they can cover if they can keep it close, that would be that'd be a pretty big accomplishment against Tennessee. It's I was surprised to see because I, I don't think I knew this until this week that UTSA's never beat a ranked opponent.
2: Yeah, that's. I'm trying to think back.
1: I think they're like Owen because yeah, Troy, Troy was ranked when they played him in the bowl game last year and they were 23, right and they, and they didn't end up winning that game. Hmm. But, yeah, they've never beat a ranked opponent, which this would be a hell of a win first it, win. It would
2: be. <laughs> but, and, and, again, going back to, you know, we've kind of flogged, flogged the dead horse a little bit now, but, you know, Jeff Trailer was asked, hey, you know, you guys are 21-point dogs and going into Tennessee. What would it mean to this program to get a win over Tennessee? And deadpan trailer just replied, "It means we're two and two Like, <laughs> just uh you know, he, he's you know, it, it's not again. There's no big vision of oh yeah, we're gonna. It, it, it's hey, we're here to do our job and and get better. I love Jeff. So
1: <laughs> I love Jeff. Um, so let's get to Mel Kuyper ranking. So Mel Kuyper, draft analyst, Mel Kiper Jr. Uh, over at ESPN, came up with his latest prospect rankings for the 2024 NFL Draft, littered with Longhorns. Not a lot of Aggies, not a lot of uh, Roadrunners on there, not even a lot of horn Frogs on there, but Longhorns. Quinn Ewers ranked 14th overall in the fourth quarterback. Can you guess who he was behind?
2: <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, so Caleb Williams. Caleb won. Williams. Um, Bo Nix?
1: No, fifth.
2: Okay, so close.
1: No, mm. sixth. Sixth. Derek Le- or Leonard from uh, Duke was fifth.
2: Okay. I'm Drake. trying to think of some other quarterbacks here. I'll
1: give you Drake May.
2: Okay, yeah, North Carolina.
1: He's two, and then there's a very popular number three. Oh, Shadur. Yeah. Shadur was third overall on, on Kuyper's um, quarterback rankings right now, which is wild seeing as to where he started the year. But
2: I mean, uh, Shadur <laughs> was doing it even at Jackson State too. So. should doing it. Yep. Um, Jalen Ford, the he's the
1: sixth-ranked off-ball linebacker for the Longhorns right now. Jatavion Sanders, second-ranked tight end in the class of 2024. And Xavier Worthy, the sixth-ranked receiver, 24th overall. What does that say about the talent of Texas right now? I mean, they are just loaded as yeah. the number three team in the well,
2: country. Well, I mean, look, Steve Sarkeesian doing a heck of a job recruiting, obviously getting ready for that move to SEC. So I wouldn't expect, you know, it's kind of no surprise that they have this, you know, and, and now it's like the whole thing was could they actually develop it because before the start of this season, Sarkeesian was what, 13, 13 and 12? Like mm-hmm. they were a 500 team during his tenure so far. So now that they're actually developing it and and getting these guys some recognition and everything, beating Alabama, of course, a big feather in their cap. So it's it's a good thing, and and it's just going to help keep bringing in more talent because i mean the more wins you rack up i feel like that just goes to show yeah you know we've got it going right now so you need to come and, and jump on the wagon
1: well there's a couple of things that like sark, sark has proved that he's just he recruits his ass off he's yeah. done it since he was at washington he did it at usc he did he's done it everywhere he's gone he did right. it at alabama when right. he was when he was there he recruited i mean just loads of talent in mm-hmm. the quarterback room especially and so now that he's at texas who has just the unlimited amount of resources when it comes to nil and when it comes to their facilities and everything that comes along with longhorn football it's like he's just proving how good of a recruiter and how good of a coach he can be right so it's it's kind of cool to see that like he's taking a program that was like dead in the water a couple years ago and is now number three in the country and it, it also says to me that they're going to be competitive when they actually move to the SEC next week or next year.
2: Yeah, I think so. They they look like they're taking that step. Um, especially up front. I mean, SEC it it all starts on the line both offensively and defensively. You you have to be able to get home with just four maybe five man rushes because, you know, if the way at least Alabama has done it, you know, moving to the more spread attack. You know, yeah, they can smash mouthy a little bit, but it's like you got to be able to cover too. Mm-hmm. And you have to get home quickly uh, to, to put pressure on those SEC quarterbacks.
1: Yeah, and getting to their game this week. I mean, they're opening up Big 12 play. They play in Waco against Baylor, 14 and a half point favorites. Chuck's been saying this for, for the month and a half now that as soon as they get into Big 12 play, these Big 12 teams are going to be rearing to go. To, to try and show them what they're leaving behind. Yeah. Do you think that's kind of how it's going to be? Like, Baylor, Baylor. this isn't the best Baylor team we've ever seen. They lost to Texas State as 21-and-a-half-point yeah. favorites or 24-and-a-half-point mm-hmm. favorites, whatever they were. I mean, this isn't the best Baylor team we've ever seen, but I could see them giving a, a game to the Longhorns, especially through three quarters, just because, like, you can play on that emotion.
2: Yeah, and to be fair, I mean, really, the Big 12 have, has been given Texas and, by extension, Oklahoma – their best shot mm-hmm. ever since they announced, hey, see you later, we're going to the SEC. Everybody has been just ragging on them and trying to bring them down and, and give them the nice parting gifts and a Swick kick kick in the rear out the door <laughs> as they go. So, yeah, they're, they're definitely going to get their best shot and conference play always kind of, you know, it, it seems to even the playing field a little bit just because, yeah, these teams know each other so well, right. playing them each year and everything. Um, I don't think... And, and Texas, I think, got a wake-up call a little bit against Wyoming. I mean, going to the fourth quarter, tied 10 before it, you know, got out of hand and, and they kind of gave themselves some breathing room a little bit. Uh, I don't think they'll have any issues with Baylor because you, you touched on it. Baylor is, let's be frank, not a very good team this no, year. Uh, you know, Dave Aranda, I don't know what happened, you know. I, I, it's kind of weird because they he turned it around real quick and then mm-hmm. they kind of regress back to the mean a little. So. Yeah,
1: I mean, he's a good coach. He's proven that. He, yes. All that. It's just not a good team. Yeah. And Texas, all things being equal, should roll. Yeah. And they should win this by three, four touchdowns. Yeah. But you never know in conference play. Yeah. You, you really don't. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know what the script's going to be. Like, you don't know how... Dave Aranda might pull out all the stops and pull out a weird onside kick or go for it on a on a fourth and fifteen in his own side of the field. Like you just don't know what's gonna happen because this is their super bowl. Right. So I think that the Longhorns will win. I think they will cover. I think they'll probably win by twenty one. Yeah. Um, but it I think it'll be close through three. It's kinda like kinda like the Wyoming. Kinda game.
2: kinda like last, last week, yeah. Yeah,
1: I could see I could see Baylor coming out and like maybe being up at half.
2: Gotcha. I, I think Texas will after after last week, they'll, they'll kind of maybe get back on track here um, and, you know, again, start a conference play. They want to get the, off on the right foot. And then, you know, looking ahead, just just slightly. I mean, it's like, you know, they've they've got a big one coming that first weekend in October. So it's like, yeah, they they want to, you know, start off conference play on the right foot, get everything going as they start building that's that head of steam. Uh, towards towards the Cotton Bowl.
1: That's the Oklahoma game, isn't it? Yep. Mm-hmm. How, how are you going to be that weekend?
2: You gonna be okay? No, I mean it's <laughs> like whatever. I mean, I you know it's funny people always you know forty nine nothing and it's just like yeah you know we got beat. What do you, what do you want me to say? It's like, <laughs> I mean this this year it will be, I think more competitive. Again, I'm very curious to see how everybody goes in their conference opener because you know it's like okay this this is where we really start to see you know, who these teams are.
1: Right. This is where the rubber meets the road. You right. Just, you right. got to come out in your Texas has already
2: proven it by beating Alabama. I mean, that, I'm not taking that away from them. But conference play, it's like, okay, you've got nine games. Can you get through this unscathed?
1: The only thing that beating Alabama bought them was a chance or a, um, the opportunity to slip up once. Yeah. Beating Alabama gave them the okay, basically, to lose one conference game. Because I think if they if they run through conference play with one loss and it's a close loss to I don't know, Oklahoma, let's just say, and they get they win the conference, they'll still get into the playoff because they beat Alabama. Unless Alabama completely falls off the rails and ends up with a like a six and six season. Right. So that's what beating Alabama gives you a lot of things, but it gives you the out
2: to say, Maybe we lost to Oklahoma, but we beat the crap out of Alabama. Gotcha. So you're that that scenario being, you know, they, they slip up once in conference play right. but still make it to the Big Twelve Championship right. and win and everything. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I follow you.
1: I would or or if they go undefeated to the to the Big Twelve Championship, they lose the Big Twelve Championship, I think they could still make a case for making the kind of almost like playoffs. a TCU, huh? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um so let's get to the Aggies real quick. They're playing Auburn uh, to open up SEC play. They're eight and a half point favorites at home to the Tigers. How do you think that game plays out i mean auburn so far cal <laughs> umass and samford and they they beat cal by like four so i think i think that the aggies are gonna roll
2: yeah and the aggies for me are still like an unknown entity because i don't, th- I don't even think jimbo knows <laughs> well it's like they look good against new mexico and um whoever it was that they had this this past Last week, weekend yeah. um, ul monroe mm-hmm. louisiana monroe but they failed the test against Miami. So it's like, yeah, you, you look good against the cupcakes, you know, check. You're doing what every SEC team does, but it's like you play in the SEC. So it's like, prove it, you know? So uh, it'll be interesting to see how the Aggies look this weekend. I, you know, with, with the, the offense has looked good when it's been on, but again, it's like, you know, I, don't, I just don't
1: know. Well, their defense just sucked against the Canes. They were, they were yeah. horrible. And, I mean, last year, I think this game was 13-10 to uh, Auburn over the Aggies. And Auburn won that game because they ran 55 times for 270. So, as long as the Aggie rush defense can step up a bit, I mean, Auburn had Tank Bigsby, which is obviously a big help for them. But I think that the Aggies – I mean, I hate believing in the Aggies. I really do because they just seem to disappoint all the time. But I really think that they should win this game by, like, 30. I think they're a much better team than Auburn is, but that's just me.
2: Yeah, I, for me, I don't know. I feel like it's going to be a coin flip because it's, you know, yeah, they've, they've looked good against the cream puffs, and, but now, again, when you get into conference play, it's a whole different animal. So on the
1: way out, uh, I saw this graphic this morning, and I had, to, I had to mention it. So how old are you?
2: 30. I, I'm turning 33
1: okay. this I'm, year. I'm 28, so, or I'm turning 28 this year. What That means in 2009, this might be a little bit more apt for me than you. Okay. However, the on uh, the lineup for Nickelodeon. Okay. For, in 2004, September 21st in to, 2004, the lineup was Hey Arnold, Fairly Odd Parents, Jimmy Neutron, Rugrats, Sponge, SpongeBob SquarePants, Dora the Explorer, Blues Clues, Drake and Josh, all that, and then the Amanda Show. What a what a who's who of shows. But obviously, you're five
2: years older than I am. So, what was your go to? cartoon when you were a kid okay so didn't have cable growing up so going to grandma's house was always the best so yeah <laughs> because nickelodeon <laughs> hey arnold yeah I, i'd say from that list but i'm i'm you know definitely classic guy so like scooby-doo Scooby-Doo's you great. know is always a good one um oh dexter's laboratory <laughs> come on <laughs> i mean that that was that was the best so
1: i, I don't know why but in dexter's Laboratory. um I have that one episode. There's one episode that always sticks in my head, and it's like forward, reverse, forward. I don't know why he had made, he had this invention, and he had to go. <laughs> someone kept pressing the button, but out of
2: that list, Fairly Odd Parents was my favorite. That one was up there. Fairly uh, Odd Parents was great. Yeah, I uh, I didn't get into that one too much, but yeah, the, the Fairly Odd Parents were they were funny because they could like transform or something like yeah, that, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. They can just grant
1: any wish that they wanted. Right. Um, I learned this about my wife the other day that her parents, who are very religious, and I love both of them very much, but they didn't allow Jordan or her, fam- or her uh, siblings to watch Fairly Odd Parents or SpongeBob SquarePants. Uh-oh because they just didn't, they thought it was too edgy. They so shelter, uh, shelter, they were well, very sheltered.
2: And, but SpongeBob now, like looking back on it now, like all the little, you know, in stuff that they drop, yeah, it's just kind of like, uh, they, they were almost like Ren and Stimpy a little right. bit, a new age Ren and Stimpy, because yeah, like Ren and Stimpy and Count and Chicken, like there were some things in there where it was just kind of like, oh man, this is a kid's show, like
1: wow. Well, I mean, the, I think the writers were just like, what can we put in here that kids won't get but their parents definitely understand (laughs) yeah well and the king of that
2: was robin williams i mean it's like he could you know he fit in so many references there's one in mrs doubtfire i'm not going to repeat it (laughs) but there's one in mrs doubtfire where it's just like it it got past everybody (laughs) and it's you know
1: it's just amazing well it's the brilliance of comedic writing but i i saw that this morning on twitter while i was i was doing that thing where you wake up and scroll with one eye uh-huh. open before uh-huh. you want to get out of bed. Uh, and I was like, damn, September 21st, 2004 was on fire. That was a great lineup yeah. after school.
2: But I, yeah, so for my money from that lit, hey, Arnold, but then also if I could add one, I mean, Scooby-Doo. Uh, you can't pass up Scooby-Doo. You
1: can't pass up Scooby-Doo. When I when I got home from school, I would either turn on Nickelodeon or I would turn on uh, Stump the Schwab on ESPN with uh, Stuart Scott and the, the sports trivia show. Where they would try and stump uh, Steve Schwab.
2: You ever so that, that no, I didn't watch that one. For me, the after school program was always Supermarket Sweep or Family Feud. Family Feud. So the
1: that was pre Steve Harvey. Yeah. Family Feud.
2: The 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 mid afternoon game shows after school <laughs> where it's just like you get you get home you watch Supermarket Sweep. No the. You know it's right there. Don't, don't you know you're in the wrong aisle. No. You're, you're in the wrong aisle. <laughs> well, I
1: just saw that and I figured you know we can we can talk about that for a there we second. Go. You yeah. know it's a good way to close it out. Um, that's all we got for you today. Heck of a weekend for Texas teams and Texas football. We'll be back on Monday breaking down the happenings from the weekend. Don and Chuck will be back as always. All over React. Don will be the wet blanket and uh, maybe Chuck will learn how to use a QR code. Oh eventually. my gosh. He shots fired from he doesn't know how to use one. Well, kind of. We're, we're getting him there. OK, uh, apparently Don has been using a lot of QR codes lately because he switched to YouTube TV. And so now he has to sign into everything. So he's, he's getting really, really uh, advanced with these QR codes. There it is. You All know, right. they both have
2: podcast apps on their phone now. They're really they're, al- they've come a long okay. way. OK, <laughs> well, credit to you for getting them up to speed. No
1: credit. Mike Seifert. OK, I
2: <laughs> that's fair.
1: Um. Remember, you can download this podcast wherever you get your podcasts, and on YouTube. Please download, rate, download, rate, review, subscribe, give us some feedback. We'll see you on Monday in the Sneakers Completes podcast. Have a good weekend. Go Devils! Drew Pine starting this weekend for the Devs. So
2: beat the Trojans. It's not going to happen. <laughs> we'll do our best. <laughs> see you next week.
0: Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant.